Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Having a versatile, high-quality piece of clothing feels great, but having a whole closet full of favorites feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of our podcast. I'm Lucas. I got Chris and Uriah here. And we've had a little bit of a hiatus thanks to the holidays and just schedules not lining up. But we are back and we are recording right after the Boston game. Guys, how was your Thanksgiving? I hope you guys uh, felt like a little fatter afterwards. Uh, It was good. It was good. Thanksgiving was excellent low key but good food yeah i i hear you guys there and then chris you got to do your own little steven spielberg impersonation for college right i i did yeah um i i shot a short film that's what took up my sunday which is part of why we couldn't record but we're back i'm glad to be back and i'm excited to talk sixers yeah so let's go ahead and jump into it chris we've we got about three games that we did not get to talk about since our last pod. So how about you go ahead and take us into it? Yeah. So we're going to start with the Boston game from Wednesday night. Most recent, we're recording right after it, as you said. Um, Not a very fun game. Seth Curry led the Sixers in scoring with 17 points. Shake Milton, not far behind, had 16, had one of his best halves of the season in the first half. But ultimately, it was not enough. Joel Embiid was notably pretty uh, rough around the edges in this one. 13 points on 3 of 17 shooting. A lot of negatives, I would say. Um, The only reason this game was close, it was an 88-87 victory for Boston, is because the Celtics uh, were not very good themselves. But, Lucas, what were some of your big takeaways? Chris, the biggest takeaway that I got from this is that the Sixers cannot end games with Matisse Thibel on the court. And I know this hurts Uriah. I know it does. I know. And he did hit a clutch three in the last like couple minutes. But overall, defenses are going to sag on Thibel because he's an inconsistent shooter, to say the least. And that really hurts in the fourth quarter when Joel's trying to get some isolation. Uh, even though Joel got double teamed, he made a clutch shot near the end. Um uh, over a double team, which was impressive. But the, the point that I took from this is that Thibel cannot be on the court. It has to be Danny or just has to be somebody that can actually spread the floor to give Joel more space. Um, Maxi just does not look comfortable playing with Joel right now. And granted, Maxi had that big breakout, and we'll talk about Maxi here in a little bit, I'm sure, more. But it's a little concerning in terms of like, 
the fact that he can't seem to be aggressive or find his rhythm with Joel. But like like I said, we'll talk about that more later. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think this was a pretty good example of a lot, pretty much every issue that's hurting the Sixers right now. Like Joel clearly is not back to a thousand percent yet, though he did score 42 in that Minnesota game. The last two have been pretty rough. Tobias not having his best stretch of the season. They're both coming back from COVID. I get it. I'm not panicking, but a lot more bad Tobias moments than good Tobias moments right now, which is mildly concerning. Thibault closing over Danny. I get like minute restrictions and stuff. Thibault's a better defender, etc. But uh, the sooner Doc is going to Danny in those situations, the better I think. Because um, as you said, like the defenses just are ignoring him. Um, like he hit a three, but he also messed up a whole lot of other possessions just by being out there. Um, and yeah, Maxi, like Maxi and Joel not really the best fit. Maxi is not a good off-ball player yet. Joel is not a great pick-and-roll big. Joel is a guy who demands a lot of um, airspace offensively. It really, everything runs through him, and until Maxi and them and Joel can, I guess, learn to play together, there are going to be some bumpy moments there. Joel and Tobias are already a bit of an awkward fit, so like the six or three best players just don't really fit well together, and they clearly don't quite have their rhythm down yet so that's that's going to pose a lot of problems offensively hey i have a question i have a question so i understand matisse is not a very good three-point shooter but can either of you come back at me and tell me who else would guard tatum and brown i mean i mean you you make a valid point you make a valid point that's why i mean i mean ideally if danny was a couple years younger but I mean that that's the thing that this is the type of stuff that you miss when you do when you don't have Ben Simmons on the court as an option. And your two best defenders are actually if you count Drummond, three out of your four best defenders are not all uh, threats outside the of the paint. We need another perimeter defender, preferably one that can actually stretch the floor. So that 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 that's a glare, a glaring hole that I think needs to be filled up before the trade deadline, regardless of a Ben Simmons trade or not. But what what I do want to add here is that Chris, I've been saying for the past two years that well, Joel has I wanna, not. I been... want to say something about okay. the Matisse thing first, and I'm uh-huh. I'm just gonna steal from Jackson Frank, who's good at his job, smart stuff. Um, basically, if you're gonna play Thibel, that's fine, but. You can't be trying to post up and beat every possession while Thibault's defenders double teaming. You have to find other ways to get him beat the ball, get him, you know, put him at the top of the key, try different stuff. You can't do the same thing over and over again and expect su- success when they're just not guarding Thibault. So you have to try different stuff. Part of that's on Doc. Um, sometimes you just have to, like, take a loss defensively so the offense works. Um, even if you're throwing Danny out there and you don't really have someone to guard Tatum. Uh, at least the offense makes more sense. You know, mm. there are trade-offs sometimes that are necessary. Like, Thibel is bad enough offensively to where maybe his defense isn't worth it in certain moments. Um, so those are all things you have to consider. But, yeah, that's that's what I have to say. And just to cap off, I, th- I think we can probably move on from after this, but I do want to say this. Chris, for a while now, for past two years, I've been saying – Joel Embiid is not a good pick and roll big man, and it was never an issue because Ben could never run run the pick and roll either as a ball handler because you know everybody's just going to go under the screen. 
but Joelk is not a good roller. He can pick and pop, sure, but that's not really a strength of his game. And I've been, I mean, I love Joel, don't get me wrong, but this is a weakness in his game. And it's now that you have a ball dominant guard and Maxi is getting exploited. And you got to figure out either can Joel figure this out midseason, which, you know, I wouldn't put it past him because he's Joel, but it's, it's going to be a growing pain that the Sixers are going to have to go through this season, especially if Maxi keeps even like, even if you trade, you know, for a guy like Damian Lillard, this is still going to be an issue. Like that's any, any guard that relies, relies on the pick and roll, which is most guards now in the NBA, they're going to have an issue playing with Joel because Joel's not a big, good role, man. And while yes, Tobias can, because we've seen it in the past, he hasn't been it for the last couple of years. And, it's kind of hard to see him trying to go back to that now. I mean, your best pick and roll player is Andre Drummond or Matisse Seibel on the roll, to be honest, right now. And that's not great. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, you know, Maxi, a lot of the onus is inevitably going to end up on Maxi just to figure out ways to complement Embiid better because, you know, Embiid's your guy. And, but I agree, like, Tobias is just mucking up a lot of possessions right now. Tyrese hasn't shot well in three, four games. Um, you know, Furkan has just disappeared from the face of the earth. Like, these issues are going to keep... Six minutes up. in tonight's game, by the way, for Furkan. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about him later. But, like, part of this is just the Sixers getting back into rhythm. Like, COVID clearly messed things up. I'm, it's not like time to press the panic button. They're eleven and eleven. It's it's fine. They'll be okay. But there are some pretty serious issues and flaws on this team right now. Um, barring like Ben Simmons coming back and playing like Ben Simmons, which is never going to happen, they're going to need to do something. Preferably trade Ben Simmons, but we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so let's let's talk about the Orlando game. That was a victory for Philadelphia, one hundred one to ninety six. A bit closer than it should have been. Um, Seth Curry, another pretty strong performance from him. 24 points, 10 of 13 from the field, 3 of 5 from deep. One of his best games in a while. Joel, on the other side of that spectrum, had 16 on 16 shots. Another rough night for him from the floor. 17 from Tobias on 20 shots. Lucas, what were some of your thoughts on that game? First off, I was wrong about Franz Wagner. I thought he was going to be bust. He looks like he's going to be a solid player, if not potentially an all-star. I mean, one game, but he's going to be a really solid player in the NBA. This Magic team is a couple years, is a year or two away, but they can be dangerous. Um, fun to see Ignas break Zach Nick's revenge game, even though he didn't do anything revenge-worthy besides the steal. Um, he was a former Sixer, of course, from last season. Um, outside of that, Still bad chemistry with Joel and Maxie. Tobias, not a great game. Like you said, Seth Curry was the really only standout here. Drummond is still providing great minutes off the bench in a limited role. Thibel had a solid game. Shake Mill, not a great game. I'm, huh. I mean, it was a low scoring game, and there was a reason for it. Not very. <laughs> Like the offense, I, I didn't feel good about this win. I did not. I felt more. I felt better about some of the losses that they had during that winning streak, losing streak, than they did during this win. If that makes any sense. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear that Embiid's return has, you know, forced everyone to recalibrate a bit. Um, like, the Sixers just don't look good offensively right now. It's it's pretty bad all around. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think it will get better over time. I'm reasonably optimistic, but... Well, remember the Sixers are going from a fast pace without Joel, very fast pace, no no post, barely any post touches for any of the big men, where the big men are primarily primarily there just to rebound, and Maxi was the focal point. Maxi and Harris, which I mean, Harris is actually I don't mind Maxi and Harris as a pairing. I think that they work fine. It's just Joel with either one of those making kind of mucks it up, which I mean is no bash on Joel. It's just that he's a unique talent, and it yeah, makes, takes a lot to work with them. Ideally, healthy all season, they're going to have to learn to play at a slower pace. Oh yeah, this is the lineup they ran all training camp. This mm-hmm. is the lineup we've been playing planning for all year. Like yeah, and they were eight and two before this line before Joel exited. So this lineup does work. Which is yeah, I the Sixers yeah. are going to be a good team uh, again. I'm not like you know trying to raise all the fire alarms, but you know Maxi has to play better. It's just been a really rough couple of games for Maxi. I think he will play better. He was kind of due for a couple of duds after that stretch without Joel. Um, and again, Joel and Tobias are coming back from COVID and injuries. Like it, it happens. It, it, it's a long season. We're still very early. We're only 22 games in. There's no reason to panic. Um, Danny's going to be able to play more than 20 minutes a night. Um, in the future, hopefully things are going to get better, but yeah, this was not like a great win. Um, it was really quite a, an uncomfortable win. <laughs> Yeah, it did not feel good. I did not feel good about it. Yeah. So, I felt better about the Timberwolves' loss, which I guess we yeah. can jump into next. Let, let us jump. We are going to talk about that Timberwolves' loss. It was 121 to 120 in double overtime. The Sixers were witness to quite an impressive shot making display from D'Angelo Russell, who had 35 points on the evening. Carl Anthony Towns had a good night as well, with 28 points. For the Sixers, Joel, 42-14. and 14. Um, Pretty pretty good stuff. That was his first game back from COVID. He played 45 minutes. Clearly, it has not been like that the last couple of games, maybe because he played 45 minutes the first game after COVID. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but other than that, Lucas, what were some of, your, uh, some of your big takeaways? First off, that was an outlier game for Russell this season. He shot horribly, and I think he shot like one of 12 from three-pointers in their game tonight against the uh, Washington Wizards. But overall, first off, this Timberwolves team is really stinking close to being good. Really close. Like, I like it's not even funny how close they are. They just need more depth, to be honest with you. I, I like I like starting Jared Vanderbilt at power forward more than J- Jalen McDaniels, and it's no you know bash against McDaniels. I think Vanderbilt complements you know Towns' weakness, which is more interior you know post defense and rebounding. Anthony Edwards is going to be a star in this league. Just give him some time. Russell, if he's if he's cooking, he's dangerous. We saw that. Um, so. Kudos to the Timberwolves. I think they're going to be good down the road. They just need some time, and they need they need to develop. They need to be patient. 
and get some depth. Maybe, you know, trade for Ben, try to get Ben Simmons. I don't know what you do for him, but because I don't really want anything on their team for Ben, but, you know, I don't know. Yeah. But um, from the Sixers' perspective, career hot tied, uh, Maxi tied a career high and assist again with nine. So that was really good for Maxi in 44 minutes. Um, Danny had one of his better games of the season coming off the bench. Four steals and 11 points in 22 minutes. I think that's a pretty good game for him. This uh, this game also was the last time we've seen Isaiah Joe in the rotation, but it's clear that Shake Milne gets those minutes when Joe, uh, when he when healthy. I mean, outside of that, I I don't have too much to say. Um, it was a close game. I I love the you know in the first overtime at the end when the foul line, uh, free throws. Ma- uh, Maxi strategically missed one, and Drummond did, and Doc Rivers, to his credit, subbed in Drummond. He had a one-on-one against Vanderbilt. Drummond clearly won that and tipped it back in. One of the best tipping artists in the NBA, in my opinion, and sent the game to double overtime. Drummond's only points of the night, by the way, fantastic and only shot, um, and only offensive rebound. Actually, he had a quiet night that night overall, but um. I think the Sixers just got gassed and D'Lo was not. So I think that's what happened. Yeah. Russell is kind of, he'll have these big games every now and then. You just kind of have to sit back and take it Um, when they happen. They tend to happen against the Sixers quite a bit, unfortunately. So it is what it is. (laughs) You know, we've we've been there before. Um, Yeah, I don't have too much more to add to that. Um, Joel... I know you want to win. It's overtime. Probably shouldn't be playing 45 minutes in his first game back from COVID. I, that just seems a bit irresponsible to me, but I'm not Doc Rivers or the medical staff, so what do I know? Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> so, f- side note, by the way, um, I want to jump back here because I just saw a quote from Doc Rivers. When asked why he didn't have a point guard on the court, he said he wanted shooting. But we both, I think we both agree that Shake Milton's a solid enough shooter that you could have him in that closing lineup over maybe George Niang or something. I don't know. I just uh, that 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 doesn't sit well with me. But yeah, no, I mean, there, I mean, it was a great game. It was a fun game to watch. I, I was me me. That was actually the first time that my daughter basically watched the whole basketball game with me. I mean, she was still playing with her toys because she's three, but like she was watching it with me, and we were enjoying it. Nice. So, yeah, who score one for basketball dads everywhere? Um, but no, it, it was a fun game. I, I honestly, I can say, even though the Sixers watch lost, I, I think that would was probably the funnest game to watch this season, just yeah. from the back and forth aspect of it. Yeah, I, I agree. Which is unfortunate when it's been followed up by two less fun games. But fair. But yeah, no, okay. Well, Chris, I think it's time for us to ch- switch gears now. Another fun topic. <laughs> Dang it, Chris. I'm sorry. I think it's time for us to switch gears. Dang it. I did it this time. <laughs> we have to keep both of those in, by the way. Oh, my God. Just go. Here we go. Okay, here we go. So now there's a rumor out reported by Spike Eskin. Howard that- Eskin. Howard Eskin, my bad. Spike's dad. Um, 
that Ben Simmons is hurting for money. Um, that it, with all the fines and not getting paid, he, his bank accounts are low. Chris, do we think Simmons' cash flow is low? Uh, look, um, it's Howard Eskin. I I think most people in the Philadelphia area and those close to the team know of Howard Eskin. He's more of a meme, I think, at this point than like someone I trust on that kind of report. When we haven't heard that from anyone else, um, I you never know. Maybe it's true. We'll see what happens. But obviously, Ben wants to get paid. That, that's clear. But I don't. I don't know if we can say definitively that he's broke. Um, it should be noted did. that Ben was shooting uh, prior to and Wells Fargo at the, prior to the Minnesota game. Doing some yeah. workouts there. Yeah, like clearly there's still going to be a back and forth between him and the Sixers until something happens. But I don't know if I'm like, you know, I'm not sure how seriously I'd take a Howard Eskin report personally. Yeah, for sure. I I feel like if this was something serious, we would have heard it from Windhorse or Shams, who is clearly plugged into Ben's camp, or maybe Ben's camp doesn't want the world at to least know. Like Keith, someone, Keith, yeah, a bit more like credibility. Um, yeah, I just, I mean, no, no offense to Howard, but like this has only been like I tried googling this because I was thinking about possibly writing about this, but honestly. Besides, like, you know, some small sites, I haven't seen anybody else really run with this, and I I didn't want to run with this. I didn't think this was something that needed to be entertained because it hasn't been, you know, verified by a credible source. Yeah, yet. look, I mean, Howard has said, like, irresponsible things in the past. He, I, it's just not something we can, like, run with until it's been reported by someone mm-hmm. who's not. And, and I, I've seen jokes on Twitter, too, where guys are like, oh, Ben's car got declined at the local Wawa or whatever. <laughs> I, I Clearly, that's a joke, but, like... Yeah. It's, it's just, there's no credibility to this. I mean, until there is. I'm not saying that this isn't true, but there's no... There's no other. There's nobody else backing up the story of credible means, so it's hard to take seriously right now. That being said, Chris, do you think Ben is motivated to play? Um, recently, John Wall has come out saying that he wanted to play for the Houston Rockets. Play again. He has an itch to get on the court, though. I, I think the two situations are different, though. Um, yeah, Wall. I think Wall just wants to play the play. He's still getting paid where Ben isn't, so. You, do we think that the money, money with or with or not withstanding, do you think Ben wants to get back out on the court soon? Uh, probably not. I mean, obviously, we don't. We again, just because like we really can't speculate. We can't know what's going on in Ben's head right now. Who who knows what Ben wants? Um, other than a trade. Um, John Wall, yeah, like clearly John Wall wanted to get traded and now he's probably come to the realization that no one is trading for that contract this year and or possibly next year you know Houston clearly doesn't want to play him though he's under contract he's good enough to play kind of feels like the Rockets should let him play if he wants to Ben's a completely different animal Ben wants a trade for different reasons Ben is out for different reasons I, I don't I don't think we're going to see Ben want to play because he wants to play in Philly. If he wants to play, it's going to be to probably boost his trade value or to stop getting fined 
or because he's, you know, ready to play again, whatever the case may be. But yeah. 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 I it's yeah, they're just two completely different situations, despite having the same age, and it's just two completely separate situations there. But um, Chris, I think we can go ahead and move on, man. Yeah. And we're going to talk about Furkan Korkmaz, who has recently um, been on the milk curtain. Um, where is he? No one knows. <laughs> that was a good one. Uh, yeah. Not a great couple of weeks for the Turkish Delight. Um, that hype video from the summer where like they had the good, bad, the ugly score and everything. It hasn't aged very well. Um, what's going on, Lucas? Why is he not doing well? What What's happening? <sighs> it, when I'm thinking about Korkmaz, and I don't, you guys probably never saw this movie, but when I was little, the, the Aladdin and the Prince of Thieves uh, was one of my favorites. And Genie, of course, Genie, voiced by the late, great Robin Williams, may he rest in peace. Um, he did a... Uh, did a Forrest Gump impersonation when he was doing a scene and he was like, magic is as magic does. And when I think of that, I think of Korkmaz is what Korkmaz does. does. He's streaky. He goes through, he goes through cold spells and we all got fooled at the beginning of the year. We did. I did too. I did too. I thought he could have been in the running for six man of the year, but Chris, he only played six minutes tonight. Yeah, and, I mean, this feels a bit rougher than normal. This this doesn't feel like just his typical cold spell. This feels like Korkmaz has been pretty good. Maybe 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 the wrist injury is bothering him more than we thought. Or maybe he re-aggravated it and he's trying to play through it. I don't know. Yeah. I they're not telling us. They're not putting him on the injury report. If he is hurt, they're not putting him on there or he's not telling anybody. Or maybe it's mental. Who knows? I don't know. Obviously, mental and shooting is a common theme for the Sixers in the 2010s and now the 2020s. Um, yeah. So, I mean, he could, I, we don't know what it is. Um, he's willing to take shots. We've seen him hoist up shot after shot, sometimes <laughs> without indiscretion. I mean, and it just look, clanks. In that sense, it's probably not mental. Because the confidence is still there, which is frankly like a good thing probably and pretty impressive on his part. Um because mm-hmm. he he is like a traditionally a good shooter and he needs to take those shots and the Sixers need him to take those shots. So that, if anything, is reason for optimism that he's still taking the shots and still That's is, true. But yeah, I mean he's been pretty bad lately. Uh so of so is the entire offense. So maybe it's just a broader symptom of the entire offense being kind of junk right now, unless you're Seth Curry. But yeah, it's not fun. Yeah, man. No, so, it's really not. So do we think we're getting close to Isaiah Joe territory with Furkan again, six minutes in the loss? Uh, I don't know. think Doc's going to do that. I It, it should be an option. But my guess is he's just going to give more minutes to Shake and Matisse than Danny. Yeah. Once Danny's off the minutes restriction. I think that's the more likely path. Would I like to see more Joe minutes? Of course. He was lighting it up in the preseason. And, of course, you know, we can still hold out hope that he's the second best shooter on the team. But 
I just don't think Doc's ready to trust him yet. And he he's not the only second year player that Doc's not trusting. And we'll get to that guy in a minute here. But um yeah. Yeah, I I I tend to agree. Um Doc has not shown the most he hasn't really given Isaiah Joe a very long leash yet. I I I expect if Furkan starts hitting shots, he'll be right back to where he was at the beginning of the season. Um, if he doesn't, then I agree it's probably like Danny, Matisse, Shake, etc. getting those minutes. Um, yeah, I, I don't see Isaiah Joe being a big part of the rotation anytime soon. I'd like to be proven wrong. I think that'd be just swell if he was a big part of the rotation and doing well and hitting shots. I still have faith. I think he's going to be an NBA player. But, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there. For sure, Chris. But let's just go ahead and switch gears because I, I alluded to it prior to this. Um, we got to talk about your favorite guy, Beatball Paul. And I wrote about this this morning um, prior to the podcast. And it, the question has to come, with all the G League assignments that uh, Paul Reed has gotten recently, is it fair to assume that he might be in the doghouse? Uh, well... You know, I mean, I what is the doghouse? He wouldn't. He's the third or fourth string center. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I love it. I'm sorry. I don't mean to crack up, but I love it when you answer your question. What the question with another question? What is a doghouse? Like, like he's a, a third, fourth string center. He's not going to play whenever Joel and Andre are healthy. Um, like, why not get him reps in the G League? He's clearly very good in the G League. It certainly helps the Bluecoats. Um, is it like a sign that Bassey is probably ahead of him right now? Yes. Does that mean he's in the doghouse? I don't, I mean, it means that Bassey's been playing well. I don't really think it means he's in a doghouse necessarily. That's typically, I feel like, reserved for people who probably should be playing but aren't for some reason. And Reed isn't to the level where he, quote-unquote, should be playing right now. Um, I think he he's, has been really good this year in the minutes that he's gotten. I think he's shown a lot of promise. I think he's a legit NBA player. But, you know, he's a young guy. He still has a lot to learn. I, I have no problem with him getting run in the G League when he's not going to be able to play. So I, I don't have an issue with it. Well, let me read you this quote from Doc Rivers when asked about uh, Reed's recent Blue Coast code's uh, assignments river said he just needs playing time he's struggling in execution a lot so we want to really put him through it let him play more minutes and see if he can get through it so like you said obviously getting him more reps is important but there is obviously a level of concern with doc rivers about reed's execution i think it's fair to say probably in making the right defensive reads and, and running the offense in general. I think there's still some hiccups there and he's, it doesn't seem like doc rivers is a hundred percent confidence that he will get through it because he says he said at the end and I, I'll read this last part and see if he can get through it. Yeah. So I, I, I don't think there's a hundred percent confidence from rivers there. That being said, I think the idea is just to get him more reps and see if he can develop, um that that's where i that's where i land on it like yeah it's obviously yeah. four more minutes he like you said charles bassey is clearly ahead of him on the depth chart and i think it's fair because i think we we now understand river's view of 
Paul Reed as a center. He's not a center yet. He's a power forward. And when you got basically, um, let's see, Tobias Harris, George Niang, and Matisse Thibel all ahead on the power forward depth chart before Paul Reed. Uh, the other thing that I want to bring up to you, Chris, is this. Um, because apparently some fans have been, you know, asking for Tobias Harris trade. I, I personally don't think it can happen. It's not that I don't think Daryl Morey wouldn't be open to it, but I think his contract's unmovable. That being said, if Tobias Harris, you know, hypothetical world war dreams do come true that he, you know, and he could get traded. Yeah. Do you think Paul would be able to step in and start for at least the short term, if not the long term? No. <laughs> Perfectly timed. Thank you, Uriah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Like. Um. No. I. I. I think it would be Niang or Thibault or someone else. Um. Or whoever they trade Tobias for, probably. Um. Boy, that's your boy, Chris. Come on. Stay yeah. Look, I, your boy. I. I mean, I. I I can stand up for him. I don't think he should be starting on a good team yet. I, uh, not that off the edge yet, but um, like the idea of Tobias being traded is interesting and worth discussion. And Lucas just left us, um, unfortunately. So, <laughs> wait, I gotta step in and oh no, pinch it! Oh my goodness, bring back Lucas, <laughs> Lucas. We miss you. Please come back. No, he'll, he'll join us again. Oh man! <laughs> hey, let's uh, just keep it's talking. It's like Gone Girl. Um, okay, so yeah, I mean, look, Tobias, the Sixers in an ideal world could like swap Tobias for a couple of good players, but it's it's not going to happen. As Lucas said, I just think that contract is too much for most smart teams, and the Sixers are going to have to make do if they did trade him. Paul's not ready yet. Even I will concede that. Um, Niang, Thibault, all those guys would be better options. Um, <laughs> you sure about that? You can take it back. I'm I'm sure. You sure? What are your thoughts, Uriah? <laughs> uh, clearly, he can't stretch the floor. I think the last game I saw him play, he airballed a three-pointer. However, he does give good energy. Uh, I have to agree with you. I don't think he's ready. A defensive-minded player who can't stretch the floor? Yeah, you can't play those guys. It's hard. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's a late drum. All right, well, now that you have declined your favorite player getting starters minutes, let's move on to the next topic. All right. Oh, he's he's back. He's back. Lucas, okay. you gotta let you me know when you leave because I, I I got nervous. I didn't know. What no, I I I came back really quick, but you guys couldn't hear me, and now I don't see the red dot. Okay, there's the red dot. Okay, yeah, no, I was back. If you check the chat here and our one on Slack, I told you guys that I was here and I could hear you guys. Oh, the whole we time. See you. I I was here and I thought I lost Chris for a minute because Chris just cut out and I couldn't hear Chris and I was Chris like. Was- Chris was talking bad about your hair. I know. I know. It's a mess. Snitching on him. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. Anyway, but no, I heard your your points about Paul Reed. Yeah. I mean, after Chris went silent for a second, but um, 
Yeah, no. Um, yeah, he's not ready. Uh, thank you for agreeing with me on that, Chris. Um, yeah. Welcome back, everyone. Um, now we're going to be talking about Sixers point guard Tyrese Maxey, formerly of Kentucky. Um, Lucas, Maxey has been struggling a bit lately. 3 of 13 from the field in the Boston game. 2 of 12 against Orlando. I believe it was like 5 of 15 against Minnesota. I really you know, commend him for keeping the uh, last digits consistent there. Um, but Beyond that, how do you think his return is going to be impacted by Embiid? How do you think Embiid's return is going to impact Maxi moving forward? Um, what are your thoughts there? Okay. So this is not on the players. This is on the coach. I think this is on Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers can alter the system to where Maxi's clearly the number two on offense. Wait. You want Doc Rivers to make an adjustment? Yes, I do. I know. Mind-blowing, right? Oh, boy. But, but I know it's a Who's lot gonna to ask tell him. him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to tell him. I'm going to have to tell him. And who's going to tell Lucas? Oh, that's hurtful. <laughs> that's hurtful. But no, seriously, though, uh, Doc Rivers is going to have to make the adjustment here because it's clear that Maxi should be the number two on offense. I think we can all agree on that, right? Yeah. So I don't Uriah, care about how much money I don't wait. care about how much money Tobias Harris is making. He's the number three option. He's Uriah, best as the number three. Who should be the number two option? After Joel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> After tonight, Seth Curry, but uh, Seth Curry's not consistent enough. I know. I I mean he's well, clearly 30... either Tobias and Tyrese. He's been paid thirty something million. He needs to step up. He that's the, the biggest the knock issue. on him. He, he I, has, but you got to read Chris's money. article. Chris laid it out so, perfectly. Yes. Here's the thing with Tobias. He's making thirty six million, but like he is, that's just not. You can't ask more of him than he's capable of giving. You have to use him how he's best used. You can't pay too much attention to the number. It's unfortunate. It stinks, but he's. Like a number three or four option at his best. He's oh, okay. Not let's, a guy who needs to be creating his own shot a yeah, lot. Exactly. Like if you look at Andrew Wiggins, do the Warriors use him like a top two option? No. They use him as a three and D guy. And you know what? It's perfect for him. And I'm not saying Tobias Harris is a three and D, but the way you got to use Tobias Harris to maximize him, let him get his offense within the flow of the all, you know, buckets through the flow of the offense. Cannot force feed him. Cannot expect him to make shots off the dribble at a high rate, especially outside of the paint. And you got to start using him as a role man. Like he was a really good role man in, in Orlando and in Detroit. But then, like, they're not. Doc Rivers and Brett Brown has not used him as a role man since he got to Clippers and then the Sixers. Like he is a role man. He's a good role man. Like, he can finish off the pick and roll. He's, he's a heavy body that can, you know, bang inside the paint. Getting him moving downhill is the best way to use him on offense. And that means using him as a third option. Honestly, if you really want to play it, this is how I think it should go down to help maximize the offense. Because Joel's not a great pick and roll player. Don't use him in the pick and roll a lot. Have him initiate the offense at the key or at the top, uh, three-point line. And then either have him run the pick and roll because I think Joel can be the 
pick, the the ball handler in a pick and roll, I think he'd be better at that than he would be at a roll man because he's that good with his dribble. Or you give the ball to Maxi and let him and Tobias Harris run a pick and roll and Joel be the weak side guy to where he can either crash or spot up for three on the other side. That's what I think should happen. Not the majority of the offense. Still, You still want to run the offense through Joel. But if you want to maximize all three players, that's the type of set that you need to run. Yeah. Um, I I mean, I agree. We could talk about Tobias for a while. Um, there are a lot of issues going on with him right now that I think are being somewhat extrapolated by the unfortunate circumstances around the team with Ben and stuff. Um. But yeah, Maxi, Maxi, as far as he goes, like he just doesn't do a ton for you off the ball yet. That is going to improve. His three point shooting has already like grown a lot from the beginning of the season because he's an absurdly good worker and he just gets better almost every game, save for the last three games. Um, even in the last three games, he's been like dishing out more assists. Like he, he's gonna get better, but. Maxi is, as he said, Lucas, a guy who needs to, you know, dominate the ball a lot, run the offense, get in the middle of the floor. It's a bit tougher to do that and coexist with Joel when Joel's posting up every other possession and they're trying to force him the ball in the middle of the floor. It's a bit of an awkward fit. That's something Maxi, again, like Maxi's going to have to adjust to Joel more than the other way around. Inevitably, I do think like Joel being more of a consistent role man and setting better screens and stuff would help. That's something Joel has talked about. I think they're at least thinking about it in the locker room, I would hope. But you know what you know what needs to happen? Doc Rivers needs to call Kendrick Perkins and have Perkins teach Joel to uh, set a proper screen because Perkins could do that when he was playing at least. Uh, that was probably his best skill on offense. Yeah, I don't know. There probably other... I mean, okay, okay. I was... Perkins was more of a joke, but you get the call of former big man that he used to coach that set screens very well. Um, yeah, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. So, Lucas, based on how he's taken care of the ball the past few weeks, um, you know, do we think he has the ability to be a true point guard? Or is he always going to be sort of a tweener, a combo guard, a guy who can't really run the offense? The thing is, when you look at Maxi, he's not a guy that looks to set up other guys. He's, I'm going to try to get up my offense, and if I don't get it, I'm going to bail out and kick out to you. And if he's trying to get others involved, then he's not being aggressive, and that's not his best where he's best suited. Because we saw it in tonight's game. He deferred to Shake Milton a lot to initiate the offense, and it felt like Maxi just was not involved in the offense a lot. I will also say this, that his floater has been off the last like two games too. Like the floater, just that floater that's been so consistent has, has been looking a little, I don't know, just has been backrooming a lot. So I don't know what's going on there, but yeah. Um, no, I, I think, but at the same time, we do see him have a very low turnover rate. So he doesn't make mistakes with the ball, but, and I forgot who tweeted this, but somebody that covers the Sixers said, Maxi needs to be a little bit more careless. Not careless, but um, what's the word I'm looking for? I think it was Jackson. You, you know what he said, though, right? What was it? it was like Yeah, um, basically that Maxi's turnovers are low, but it's 
Because he doesn't take enough risks. He doesn't take enough risks. He's not making passes that he'll need to make to maximize his, like, talent as a point guard. Um, Like, he needs to be more ambitious as a passer, basically. Um, I mean, and that takes time. I mean, he's only a 21-year-old second-year player. So let's let's give give the kid a little slack. But the potential is there for him to be a, you know, facilitator. It's not without question uh, that it's there. It's just can Doc Rivers, who was a former point guard himself, develop this in Maxi? I mean, he has Sam Cassell, who is most underrated point guards in his era uh, on his staff, too. So I, I think it's possible for sure. And I, I'll, I'll go even so far to say this. Even if Ben Simmons does somehow make a return to the Sixers lineup, Maxie's not losing his spot. Maxie's still starting, in my opinion. Danny's going to lose his spot. I I said it. I I I I can't. I don't know. I Maxie, Ben, Tobias, and Joel are going to have some really funky minutes together. I'll just say that. Like Maxie's best minutes tonight against Boston were when he was running that second unit. Like, that's still... He's a great player. He's going to be better than Tobias pretty soon if he's not already. I'm, I'm, he's tremendous. But, like, he is clearly much better without Joel on the floor than he is with Joel on the floor. Some of that's, like, he's just going to have to be a better passer, better off-ball player, all that stuff we've said. But he's clearly at his best when it's the Tyrese Maxey show and he can just go off and pretty much do whatever he wants. That's the best version of Tyrese Maxey right now. That is what he can do when it's the second unit groups. That's not what he can do when Ben's out there and Tobias is out there and Joel's out there. That's that well, the question the is, can he still Maxie. have the Tyrese Maxey show and Joel and, and share the court with Joel in the long term? No, um, like he's gonna have to. That's gonna have to change over time. But, well, I'm just saying, like, can he still be that level of effective and aggressiveness with while still keeping Joel the number one option? That's the thing that we gotta wait and see on. Yeah, clearly not, not right now. Cause no, because he defers too much. Yeah, he he yeah. defers too much when Joel's on the court. Which I mean, fair, I get it. But like, young man, you have shown that you can be a, a you know a, a phenomenal player in this league. You just got to work it out with your teammates now. And that takes time. That takes time. Yeah. I mean, and part of it, like, these, his shooting's going to go back up. This is a guy who's been playing, like, 40 minutes a week for the first few weeks of the season. Um, 40 minutes a game. Like, they've probably been overplaying him to compensate for all the injuries and stuff. Maybe he's just tired. It needs a few games to recalibrate. Like that's honestly, the- that could be it too. That could be it. And maybe he's he's purposely like slowing himself down so because Joel's back. Who knows? I mean, that's a fair point that I didn't think of before. Yeah. So there, there's just a ton of stuff to like consider because the Sixers' entire team has pretty much been hurt at this point in some way or another. It's been a very strange first few weeks of the year. Um, you know, it's hard when your best two players are just gone for two weeks. It's it's kind of a tough uh, pill to swallow. And when your other best player is just not with the team at all. So, um, again, I'm not panicking. They're 11 and 11. They're going to make the playoffs. Um, it'll be okay. They'll get back into a rhythm at some point, I would think. That eight and two start, I think, is notable. I think they have the potential to be a really good team, all that stuff. But mm-hmm. there's clearly some like um, 
wrinkles that need to be ironed out. Yeah, I, we definitely got to figure that out. I mean, they'll figure it out for sure, I think. But uh, Chris, I think I think we're at the point now where we can just wrap this thing up. So do you want to go ahead and play us out? Sure. Um, to all our listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of the Sixer Sense podcast. We are happy to be back. We will be back to our regular schedule moving forward. Um, as always, please like, subscribe, follow, leave a comment, give us five stars if you can. It would really help us out. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Google Play, or at our website, thesixersense.com, where you can read all our written content as well. We're going to be here all season. We're going to be giving you all the Sixers opinion you can handle. Please continue to follow along. We appreciate it a ton. We will be back next week early on to talk about you guessed it the sixers so until then thanks everyone and we will see you then